0: shapers on jazz fm listen in color in partnership with mish it's business but it's personal The Bouncy Soul Bossa Nova from Quincy Jones. Good morning, this is me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. And have I got a cracker for you today? It is Chantal Cody. She is the founder and creative director of Rococo Chocolates. They're an ethical luxury business. They make amazing tasting chocolates. And we're going to be talking lots to her and I'm going to be nibbling on it too and making you very envious. Lots coming up from Chantal very shortly. In addition to hearing from her, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, a tasty and sumptuous and delicious mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including trumpeter Ibrahim Malouf, young pianist Joey Alexander, and this from the one and only Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald with It's Only a Paper Moon. Chantal Cody is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. She's the founder and creative director of Rococo Chocolates. As I said, they make amazing chocolates, but not only do they taste amazing, they are ethically sourced because she gets a lot of the cocoa from the Latin American part of the world. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's a real pleasure, Elliot.
0: Now, um, many, many years ago when you were younger because you're still young and we're all young this is the theme of today you need to be young in life and we will be young today you set up a business um called rococo chocolates you'd been serving apparently the story goes you can tell me if it's true serving lovely chocolates in harris but you thought you know what there must be better ways there must be better things that i can deliver to uh customers to people that want wonderful chocolate what made you think you could do it yourself all the way by, way back then
1: well i think when you're in your very early twenties, you've just um you're in a student in art school at that time there was a lot of punk stuff going on which was was quite a liberating um way of thinking because people didn't necessarily have to be good at something but they just think I can do it." But the most important thing for me was there was absolutely zero emotional interaction with the customers in any of the stores that I'd been into that serve chocolate or anything else for that matter. And I just felt chocolate is this magical, wonderful thing. It's kind of fantasy world. It was for me anyway. And that's what I wanted to share with my customers. And I believed in this so fervently that I thought, I'm going to open this shop. And the more people said, you're crazy, what do you think you're doing, the more determined I was to do it.
0: Now, um, first shop was in Chelsea, in which street was it? On the King's Road. On the King's Road itself. You've now got four shops, is that right? That's right. Okay. Well,
1: in fact, we've just opened a little pop-up, so you could Ah. say four and a half or five.
0: Four and a half, or five now, Mm. and then it will go back down to four. And um, five books. This is The the theme is five today, that's good. Um, And... The shops have come at a different pace, I imagine. When did you open the very first shop, back in 19... 19- the
1: first shop was in 83.
0: 83, when you first in, yeah. first started the business. Um, that front-facing thing that you talked about, have, how have you managed to maintain that ethos of really giving your personality and the person who's delivering the, the the chocolate itself to the human being on the other side of the counter because uh, I can imagine when you get bigger and now you're a three million pound business with fifty people, you source chocolate, you make your own chocolate now you can start to get into the manufacturing mindset. how have you kept that artisan and that sense of of personal
1: well I guess um it's the bits of the business which i'm really um, taking care of, and for me that's it's the creative side it's the actual interaction with the customer side it's the marketing and things like number crunching all that stuff I've got a very good FD I've got a great MD and I think if you're going to grow a business successfully you need a very good team around you and I'm not scared to let them do what they need to do so I can concentrate on the things which I really believe in and which really matter to me
0: and you obviously have a good eye for um, for design. You have a, a textile background. You have a, a good eye, I imagine, for texture as well. Um, and if, you ever, if, you, if, you're, if you're listening now and you want to go to the website, Rococo Chocolates, is, is your, it'll be easy enough to find R-O-C-O-C-O. C-O, nice yes. and easy there. Um, but you'll see there's an aesthetic, and I'm just looking at one of your, your gorgeous bags right now. This influence uh, over the years, has it changed, or do you just sort of in your head you wake up and you go, I know what my business is, I know what my brand is?
1: I think things are constantly moving and changing and I hope in a in a really positive way. And for example when I first opened I had a mini monopoly for at least the first, you know, 15 years, maybe 20. And for the first 10 years it was really difficult because it was extremely hard to to make any money from the business. But then we had this sweet space where there were no other um comp- competitors and Now we've got so many fantastic, talented chocolate makers, particularly in London, but in the UK. And I think it's one of the most vibrant chocolate scenes in the world. And that is great because it means we all have to up our game. And I think whereas in somewhere like Paris, where you've got a lot of old established brands and a few newcomers, but there isn't quite the same tension as we have here in London.
0: Stay with me for more from my business shaper, Chantal Cody. Time for some music. This is Ibrahim Malouf with Essentiel. Fantastic sound. I love this artist, Ibrahim Malouf with essentiel And just so you know, next Tuesday, the 17th of November, he is playing live as part of the EFG London Jazz Festival at the Barbican. Don't miss it because during the day, also on Jazz FM, you'll have a chance to listen to him in conversation. Chantal Cody is my business shaper today, and we've been talking about the beginnings of the chocolate revolution. I'm going to call it a revolution now. We've just upped the ante a little bit. Um, you began your business in nineteen eighty three. Since then, as you said, that the competition sort of ten, fifteen years later, piled on. I'm now staring at some incredible chocolates. I'm just going to jump to the product for a moment. There's, just talk me through this little box of beauties that you've opened for me because um, I think it's important if you haven't come across this, this is not y- your standard chocolate that you buy in a newsagent. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. I quickly hasten to it. But just tell me a little bit about just one or two of these.
1: Okay, well, what we're looking at here is a box with 12 beautiful cocoa pod-shaped chocolates in it. They're really gleaming and beautiful. Some of them have got sparkly bits. Um, What's all- this one? This, this colour here. This. That's, I think that's silver and green. Can I pick it oh, up? The, no, this one is copper. Yes, so you're picking up the one which has got... They're I'm all caramel-based. They're all from our Rococo Couture collection, so they're made in tiny batches. This has got mandarin and tonka bean, and all of them have won um, medals, gold medals, I believe, um, in various awards. So the, the other ones we've got, we've got passion fruit and rosemary. We've got a um, calamansi lime. And both of those have got a really zingy, citrusy note to them which, for me, cuts through the sweetness of the caramel and then you've got a wonderful soft, dark chocolate around them. And the final one is Pear Williams. So you've got the pear flavours with a little bit of alcohol and, again, the lovely caramel.
0: How long have you been making chocolate, the chocolate yourself?
1: Well, at least 25 years. But at the beginning, when I started the shop, no-one made their own chocolate. There was this kind of idea that people had elves in the basement and they were making them but mainly they were little factories outside London delivering in.
0: And the cocoa then, talk to me a little bit about the Grenada Chocolate Company because you, cocoa company rather, you've you've created this kind of connection, very strong connection with um, this particular company in another part of the world. Tell me how that came about and what that means for the business.
1: Well talking of revolutions in cocoa and chocolate, the Grenada Chocolate Company is absolutely at the spearhead of that and it was set up by three guys two Americans and a Grenadian and um, one of the Americans Mott Green a very dear friend was um, in Grenada living chilling out living in a bamboo hut that he'd built and actually you'll love this because he's um great jazz lover he had a little solar panel in order to be able to listen to his jazz, his Ella Fitzgerald, while he was in the bamboo hut, and he had water coming down the mountain, you know, diverting through to make a solar shower, and um, he was in a cocoa field, a, a little farm, actually it was pretty wild on on the mountainside, and through that he got the idea that instead of just shipping a commodity, which is a sack of beans, he could bring a whole industry to the island. Which would be a social economy and they could add value to this amazing product and ship chocolate bars instead of shipping beans.
0: And that's what they've been doing ever so that, since. That's
1: what they've been doing. Um, very sadly, in two, 2013, he died in an accident when he was doing some electrical wiring and he's left a very big hole behind him. Mm. But we're still, I mean, we actually have a small cocoa farm there now, and all of the cocoa that we grow is donated to the chocolate factory. It's all converted into chocolate there, and then we buy back some of it in bulk form, which we blend into our you can see one of the sea salt bars there. So all of our organic artisan range contains some Grenada chocolate.
0: And that, I guess you would call values in action. Lots more coming up from my business shaper today, Chantal Cody. She's the founder and creative director of Rococo Chocolates, and I've had one ready, as you would have just heard, and it was rather good. Latest travelling a couple of minutes before that. Some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondore for your business.
2: Hi, my name's Nadim Mir, and I'm a partner at Mishkondore in the private equity team. A key thing to be thinking about if you are looking to raise funds is, given that it is maybe less difficult than it used to be to raise the money, if you do have a good growth story, then actually you are in a pretty good position to maybe be a bit more choosy as to who you partner with. Um, And I think a key thing to remember is that when you go into this relationship with an investor or group of investors, you do need to see it as very much like a relationship. It is effectively a marriage of sorts. And obviously we know the best sorts of marriages tend to be the ones where both sides uh, go in with their eyes open um, and they're both supportive parties to, uh, to the marriage um, and where people think they can work well together. So it's not necessarily about the party that's going to leave you with the most equity or the one with the biggest checkbook It's about the party who you are going to get on well with, work well with, and hopefully, say, live happily ever after with. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM.
0: In partnership with Rea, It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers every Saturday morning. I'm lucky enough to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the almost 200 programmes now, then just go into iTunes. That's your destination because you'll find lots there. And if you happen to be flying with British Airways or Iberia, then you'll also be able to find a good few over there as well. Chantal Cody is my business shaper today, founder and creative director of Rococo Chocolates. They've got some lovely shops and they have. she's written some wonderful books. And most importantly, the chocolates phenomenal. Um, just on the shop front, you mentioned The Fifth and it's a pop-up and it's in London and it's near St Paul's. What's it like now in this environment where more and more retailers, businesses are deciding to put something up for a moment and then come down again? Is it Has it become easier? Have local authorities said, you know what, from a planning point of view, we'll make this a bit better or is it a pain?
1: I think it can be a pain. It's often to do with the landlord, actually, who can really smooth the wheels of this um, process and... I was offered one a a couple of years ago um, and it was just a ridiculous proposition where they wanted the market rent for this place and you would have had to spend a lot of money setting it up and just to be there for a few months made no sense at all. But what we're doing right now at St Paul's is we've created a little chocolate box and it really is like a box. On the roof you can see the, the lovely wrapper and it opens out and it's a... You can buy lovely coffee there hot chocolate and a small selection of our chocolates and then after march that one should be actually moving into a proper bricks and mortar store um not very far away so so we will have built up our awareness of our brand as you know and at the moment it's just saying hello to people but mm. we're going to be permanently installed there
0: I mean if I look look now back, I mean it's been a, you've steadily grown. I mean you haven't rushed into things and I, I imagine the chocolate making process isn't a rush. You gotta do it properly and there's various stages that you need to go through. You don't strike me as one of these kind of global ambition type people, but what drives you? Is it just the the desire to share the best chocolate in the world with more people versus making a buck? Or has the money now are you kind of focused commercially as well?
1: I think for me it's much more about giving people a wonderful experience of tasting very, very good chocolate and understanding that actually when you eat one fantastic piece of chocolate, it's so satisfying. You don't need to just binge on the whole box. And it's really healthy. Everyone should know that, that it's it comes from a fruit. It can be one of your five or seven a day. And just a little bit of moderation is fantastic. And on, on the money side, um, that definitely is not of huge interest for me it never really has been um what keeps me awake at night is you know making enough money to be able to pay 50 employees and all the rent and everything else Um, but i'm i'm definitely that's not my driver
0: stay with me for more and find out what chantal's drivers actually are beyond not being the money which is a healthy thing to hear for once time for some music this is rebecca ferguson and what is this thing called love time sound of Rebecca Ferguson with what is this thing called love. Chantal we've been talking about the fact that the the, the quality of the chocolate drives you when you now eat the chocolate because I imagine occasionally you, you will and you may not eat, you know you're probably more um, you're surrounded by it. I think I've watched you an interview Say, well look I don't get the urge all the time because I, I can have it any time I like. Do you still have that flutter and that buzz that the, the mere mortals like me and others do that don't that aren't in the, in the business or is it is it hard not to take it for granted.
1: Sometimes I really do have to eat a lot of chocolate. For example, um, recently I was in Paris. I was a UK judge at the World Chocolate Masters. And we had a really intense programme which involved tasting a lot of chocolate. And that really makes you very, very buzzy and it's absolutely essential that you taste everything and you mark it, and you're very conscious of what you're eating so that's one way that i encounter chocolate but sometimes it's just i just feel like a little piece of something and i often will have a, a small square of dark chocolate usually something very simple and very pure and from an origin which i know is going to deliver the most amazing cocoa beans and flavor
0: what would you say to people who are listening, thinking about their own ideas around making stuff, especially food? I mean, you're an artisan, you're you know, a creative director, but actually what you do is you make something and you make something that I happen to be able to eat. There are many other people now, and I think we've moved into this, I've, I've observed over the last few years in the UK, more and more people feeling good about starting their own business. In this particular space, what would be the kind of two or three things that you wish you'd have known in 1983 that you now know?
1: I think, People have changed the way they look at things, and I think it's wonderful that the environment which has been created by these small food markets, things like Curb, um, and it's brilliant that anyone can start up more or less in their own kitchen and be able to deliver to a very discerning audience. So. If I could have done that when I started, that would have been a lovely way of testing my market. As it was, I had this huge commitment to a lease in the King's Road, which actually at that time I had to pay a lot of money to get the keys for. Um, I think the way that people can raise funding for businesses has changed beyond all recognition. And social media, all of those things, but they just didn't exist. But I think um, the thing which... Which probably I would say to anyone is to be very disciplined about keeping things as simple as possible.
0: There you go. Be simple. Don't complicate things. I think that's great advice. Final chat coming up with Chantel. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the young, amazing, superb Joey Alexander on piano. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal. The awe inspiring Joey Alexander, aged about fourteen, we reckon, with I mean you. Chantal, this chocolate business you have now is it's obviously a passion. It's not just a phase. <laughs> After thirty years you would have got over it and you haven't got over it. You still care about every last bit, it strikes me, whether it's the red bow, whether it's the even the material you probably use on the on the 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 bag over there, I imagine you've thought about that because it's quite nice and thick and it feels luxury. Where does it go? Um, You don't strike me as someone who's going to want to sell this business, but I imagine you're going to have some people interested, or if they haven't already been interested,
1: we have had interest over the years from various people, and I think I know that there's still a long way to go with this business. That we've just, you know, touched London really at the moment, and we do have fans all around the world, and I would love to have a shop in Paris, one in New York maybe Italy, um, perhaps Japan. So I think we, we are considering investment at the moment. I mean, we have a very good relationship with the bank, so we can do it that way. But I think to push it a little bit faster now, um, and then you know we'll see where that, that takes us. But I guess it might be nice at some point to be able to to realise some of the value of that business, um, as I hope to live to at least 100. I'm going to need some income for that. <laughs>
0: um, and over these years, these many years now um, that you've been doing this, who have been the people that have really been the, the, the rocks for you, the people that you turn to <clears> when, <throat> when maybe the business has been a bit bumpy or you felt like you've had enough of making chocolate?
1: Um, Well, I have to say that it's family and friends. And when I talk about family, that also includes the Rococo family because it really is part of our family. And they have been amazing. My mother actually mortgaged the family house for me and the bank would not have loaned me the money without that. And I still think, why on earth would she have done that? She must have been bonkers. But it was such a, a show of confidence in what I was doing. And it was one of the best days of my life when I was able to hand her back the deeds of that house. Um, but yes, my husband is amazing. He's been incredibly supportive. He came in to help run the business when we had two small children. And um, I mean, the kids now are getting grown up. They're 16 and 18. And they have been incredibly supportive and understanding in the fact that I've had to juggle my work-life balance and possibly work's got a bit of a better deal than they have sometimes, but they've been totally cool about it.
0: I mean, they understand that. I mean, a working mum, my, my mum was a, a still a working mum, but was a working mum when you were kids. I remember thinking, I didn't think anything about it till probably older, but I was older. But that's a fantastic thing, isn't it? I mean, as long as you're not stressed yourself, I imagine you would encourage many women to go into business and do their own thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, an amazing thing. And I think more and more women are setting up small businesses and it works very well if you can find that right balance. And I think now there are more challenges in the way of digital distractions and it's a little bit um, a case of having to try and wear different hats and when you're with your kids to try not to be thinking about the business and to give them your 100% attention. Because if you can do that, even if it's for a short period of time, they will feel that lovely glowing feeling, um, which is what they need. They don't want you to be in the room, but somewhere else.
0: Wise words. I should listen to those as well. Everyone probably is to yes, that should be doing that also. Chantal, you've been fantastic, um, and the chocolate's amazing. Um, you're not taking these other things, by the way, they're staying, <laughs> they're, they're staying here. We've all got our eyes on them. Um, just before I let you go, and thank you so much um, for, for being with me, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
1: Ah, well, my song choice is called Arancame Vida which is by Tonya La Negra. Now, she, I believe, is one of those hidden jewels of the Latin scene that most people have never heard of. She died in 1982. She was introduced to me by a dear friend of mine from Venezuela called Annie Villanueva, and I had the, the double album back in the day, but it's, it's just beautiful. It's kind of nostalgic and romantic, and there's this great chorus to it.
0: And here it is just for you. Thank you so much.
1: En estas noches de frío De duro cierzo invernal Llegan hasta el cuarto mío Las quejas de la rada En estas noches de frío
0: That was Tonya La Negra and Arráncame la Vida, the song choice of Chantal Cody, my business shaper today. She's had a focus on chocolate and being involved in it for the last 30 years, and she is doing phenomenally well. She has a values-based approach to the world of business, the connections with her Grenada Chocolate Company, just one example of that, and a designer through and through, the textile background coming right through from the bags to the boxes to the chocolate itself, beautiful textures, amazing taste. Fantastic stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. But coming up right now, excitingly, and live here on Jazz FM, we're going over to King's Place with Nigel Williams, where he is going to be entertaining you with live music and guests from the EFG London Jazz Festival. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Rea. It's business, but it's personal.